If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas, and thanks once again for listening to our entertainment podcast. I am Myron, and joining me each week is, of course, Will. Can you please tell me what day it is? <laughs> it's Friday. It's, it's Friday, Friday night, and the mood is right. Oh, TGAF. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay, good. Yes, you made Still it through going. the week. Each week, we'll provide a film or TV review, followed by a deeper dive into a related topic. Today, we'll be reviewing the Netflix film Extraction, directed by Sam Hargrave, and we will also be discussing our top five Netflix movies of all time. We hope that you all are staying safe and sound out there and healthy, most especially healthy. I wanted to give you guys a quick look at some of our future episodes. So Will and I are going to be starting a series, which we are calling uh, roughly 10 over 10, the 10 over 10 series. And what that is, is uh, I picked five of some of my favorite movies and Will picked five of some of his favorite movies. And over the course of the next 10 weeks, we will be taking a look back and offering a review of some of our favorites. And I'm going to list them all very quickly for you. First, we have The Dark Knight. Where are we? Then Schindler's List. I bought you. <laughs> Terminator 2. Hasta la vista, baby. The Breakfast Club. I got a question. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? Give you the answer to that question, Mr. Bender, next Saturday. The Godfather. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Battle Royale. The Social Network. I have to go study. You don't have to study. Why do you keep saying I don't have to study? Because you go to beat you. Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? The Matrix. I know Kung Fu. And last but not least, Spirited Away. So what I, we're going to do is this. Yeah. I, well, I, want, I wonder, just out of curiosity, if people can actually separate which ones you picked and which ones I picked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, it might, well, I mean, we'll talk about it eventually. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's just like a little guessing game before it happens. So yeah. And so how, how that's going to work is this. We're going to re- review one new piece of content, take a little bit of a break, and then review uh, one of the 10 over 10 uh, films that we just mentioned. So for next week, we will be reviewing the film Tiger Tail, which can be seen on Netflix. It's written and directed by Alan Yang, who was one of the uh, writers for the series Master of None with Aziz Ansari. So that'll be part one. We'll take a little break. And as for part two, we're going to be kicking off the 10 over 10 series with a look back at The Breakfast Club. Directed by yeah. John Hughes, which is obviously one of the movies that Will had picked <laughs> by his reaction right now. So, yeah, so, yeah I, I'm glad that we're doing this. This is an eclectic list of movies. And I think every decade from the last like three or four decades is represented here. We have a we animated film, a few Best Picture winners. Uh, so this should be really, really fun. And I'm looking forward to it. And throughout the journey, we might hear from some old friends of our podcast. They might be joining us here and there. So we're really looking forward to hearing what they have to say about these movies as well. What do you think? Funny enough, I'm super excited. But side note, Hmm. I I don't know why, but I thought Tiger Tail. I thought you were talking about the other show (laughs) for some reason. Tiger King. (laughs) Tiger King. I was like, why are we reviewing that? What the heck is wrong with you? What is going on? Oh, no, Tiger Tail. That's right. With Tai Ma. Never mind. Yeah. So... (laughs) So, ladies and gentlemen, we don't do reality here. I'm sorry. We are, we don't review reality shows. We review creative works where someone wrote it and people actually got together to film a story. That That's what, the only thing we review here. So, we are not, heaven forbid, ever going to review Tiger King or anything like it. I love that pause. Yes. I had to figure out exactly that how to has, say it. That, that hesitation, just knowing how it makes you cringe. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews of our content, drop us a line at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail.com. And if you uh, want to recommend us to your friends, let them know that our podcast can be found on app, the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, as well as Spotify. And now on to our review of Extraction, starring Chris Hemsworth and directed by Sam Hargrave. Here's a look at the trailer. They were hoping if you spin the chamber enough times, you're gonna catch a bullet. 
Ça, c'est easy, là, ouais. This is an extraction. So who the players? Biggest drug lord in India versus biggest drug lord in Bangladesh. <laughs> Some mythic shit, huh? It's a kidnapping. Drug lord's son. Clock's running at 16 hours. Proof of life as of six hours ago. All right, that was a look at the trailer for the film Extraction. This movie is about Tyler Rake, a fearless black market mercenary who embarks on the most deadly extraction of his career when he's enlisted to rescue the kidnapped son of an imprisoned international crime lord. Now, this movie, uh, there are some interesting facts about it um, that some of you may know and others may not. This was written by Joe Russo, one half of the Russo brothers, their claim to fame. They directed the last two Captain America films, which was The Winter Soldier, as well as Civil War. And they also directed the last two Avengers movies. So that's obviously their connection to Chris Hemsworth. Uh, the movie is directed by Sam Hargrave, who is actually the stunt choreographer of those movies that we just talked about. He's also in the film. He plays Gaten the sniper. Okay, well, so I'm pretty sure everyone has seen this. Um, and yeah. the reason I say that is my next point. This film is on track for 90 million views in four weeks, which would make it the wow. most watched ever in that time span. Wow. 90 million. Isn't that insane? That's so amazing. You, yeah. So if you think about, think about a movie like this, if it came out in, in theaters, if 90 million people watched it, think about how much money that, that would have made. Uh, it's timely though, that this movie would come out during this quarantine. I'm sure that's one big reason why it, it's doing so well. Um, and of course it's doing so well that a sequel is in the works. And if you've seen the end, I'm very interested and curious whether it will be a prequel, a sequel, or what, what the hell happened at the end. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they'll explain that at some point. Anyhow, uh, Will, I think you and I both watched this opening weekend. I wanted to ask you first, what did you like about this film? I loved how you said opening weekend, <laughs> like we know, were in right? line <laughs> opening weekend at the box office. In the living room. <laughs> in the living room, yes. So it's like over dinner, we're eating. It's like, oh, that new uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth movie is opening. You want to check it out? It's like, sure. Yeah. And then we walk Can 10 you? feet over to the couch <laughs> and turn on the TV. You want some popcorn? I'll stand in line at the, at the vendor. And then I just walk over to the microwave and throw in some Orville Redenbacher there. Yeah. So funny. Well, first of all, I, um, I think Sam Hargrave directed and executed an impressive display of intense action, explosive, and even dramatic performance with this film. Uh, his technique with the camera and dangerous decisions to achieve the shots like leads to the belief like of him being the next Michael Bay-esque of a director, but a level up. Like there's there's actually little pieces there that that I connect with a lot better and a lot more emotionally. There were emotional mo there were moments of of really tugging me in with just just how well he directed you know uh chris and and his in the background of his character with what he struggled with and when what was like a bit more background a little bit more meat to to these to 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 the character and mm -hmm. i appreciated that very much after the car chase when tyler was escorting Ovi in the building with the police after them the focus on the one officer uh searching and engaging first with tyler dude that was one that was one awesome take like uh uh and from there on, action-packed, well-versed choreography and just beautiful camera work and, and timing and just like great, really good use of moments to silence and just hear the environment itself rather than having music to kind of help with the, the, the scene to move forward. Like you just hear footsteps. You, you're hearing for any enemies around and such like that. I thought, yeah. I was like, whoa, this was like a video game for a moment for me where it was like intense. And, yeah, yeah. And, and really exciting to watch. Yeah, so I mean, it literally felt like you were in a Call of Duty video game. And what I enjoyed, uh, what you're the scenes you're talking about, uh, it's all a oneer, basically, a steady cam, mm -hmm. um, you know, camera on that, and uh, they don't cut. And so the, the problem with that, well, the great thing is, is if you succeed, it looks amazing. And the problem with that, though, is you can't hide anything with cuts. So if one guy has taken on like five guys, then you have like what they used to do in those 80s action movies where one guy punches one guy, the good guy, let's say he punches a bad guy, and then the other four guys are just waiting around 
to jump in and it just looks <laughs> yeah. like fake, right? Yeah. But they yeah. did an amazing job where you never really felt that and everyone was moving and the way Chris Hemsworth, his character Tyler, was interacting with these bad guys, he was like stunning one and subduing them and then getting to the next one or using the bad guy himself uh, as a prop to kind of take out another bad guy. So it was really, really well done. And then in terms of what I liked, the action was incredible and it was very obviously directed by a stunt choreographer slash second mm-hmm. unit director. Um, I mean, like like we said before, he was responsible for the fights in the Avengers movies and Captain America, and he doesn't disappoint here. Uh, and I would say that the main set piece is the oneer in which he takes a one take shot that transpires about a third of the way into the movie. Uh, this is when Tyler realizes that he's been double crossed by the person that hired him, and then from that point on, there's a long continuous fight scene in and out of cars, on street corners, and inside buildings. It looked seamless until the end where I thought I saw a couple of hidden cuts. But when you're moving in and out of a moving vehicle and then, you know, when the car stops, you're following like Hemsworth into a building. And then we go into the action of the hand to hand fighting action scenes that we'll talk about. Um, When you see all that kind of stitched together and how seamless it looks, um, it's incredible. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and I would say, of course, Chris Hemsworth, the leading man here, is charming and he's badass. He's definitely likable uh, from the get-go. Um, and he's obviously the man crush of many men because he's just so cool. <laughs> and let me just say my wife didn't mind him very much either in this movie. Uh, that that was very, very obvious. Ooh, I, wonder, so. I wonder why. Hmm, yeah. Yes. <laughs> she, was, uh, t- she was taken by him. I-, I will say that much. But so was I. I mean... <laughs> He's pretty badass, but I will say that name, Tyler Rake, I don't know who came up with that. That's like, that sounds like some, like the, the, the hero of like a 1980s B movie directed by Roger Corman or something. I but mean, anyway, video game, right? Kind of video game ass kind of. in a sense, yeah. right? Yeah. Nah, nah, maybe. Yeah, Not? I guess okay. so. Yeah. No. <laughs> and of course, um, you know, my favorite thing, my favorite scene in the movie is your favorite scene in the movie. And I'm sure it's the favorite scene in everybody's movie is the main action sequence that we just talked about. Um, I wanted to watch the making of, but I didn't want to ruin how special it was because I didn't want to see the, the, like the strings behind the puppet show. It literally made me tired and I was out of breath after I had to take a break kind of mentally be like, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to figure, I'm going to kind of, you know, settle back into my seat here. And the, the shot or collection of shots, I should say, is really a technical achievement and something more out of a Call of Duty video game than an actual movie. And so uh, not to take a jab at one of your favorite movies, but I felt like this is what 1917 could have been for me, where it's traditionally blocked out uh, camera scenes interspersed with long, intense one-take action um, sequences. That's kind of no, what I, I actually, thought would have made it know, better. Yeah, I, I will say that I, I will. I do actually agree with you uh, to some degree with that because um, I, I mean, I look at 1917 and and it. Uh, you, I would say it's a bit more posh the way how they really planned out those those uh, blocking sequences of those mm-hmm. shots in mm-hmm. comparison to how raw and gritty the the action sequences and the choreography they did for for extraction. Yeah. But I think that it would actually have enhanced a bit more for 1917 if they did apply some of that grit from extraction to 1917. Yeah. So I do agree, yeah, that that would have been actually pretty cool to see that. Okay. And, and I thought it was also interesting was just I was trying to figure out and research so much to where those seamless takes that you see, but you know they're cuts, like like going from one car outside of it to inside another car, and all of a sudden, like, you turn around, and all of a sudden you're in the opposite car somehow, and it like, goes into the building, like, all those things, like... Man, I know there was some form of CG or, or, or clever cutting to it, but man, they did a great job. That yeah. really impressed me in that sense. It didn't jar me at all. I just knew there was a cut there, but I was like, wow, how? You know, and that was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but uh, is there anything that you didn't like about the film? Um, so, in terms of what I didn't like here, I, I have a kind of a list here. Um, so, you know, the, the execution behind the action scenes were amazing. Um, I only wish that same attention was paid to the other elements of the story. So this is Sam Hargrave's directorial debut. And I thought that that was very obvious in how some of the more dramatic scenes were handled as well as just kind of some of the more simple scenes that really needed to be like really solidly executed so that there wouldn't be any plot holes. 
So first off, was it just me or did anyone find it a little ridiculous that Ovi, the son of a drug dealer who is living on a high security like house, was able to just kind of sneak his way out of the house and then end up in what looked like an adults only bar? He just is there and you're just like, okay, he's got a head of security. Did this kid just walk out the front door or I'm not quite sure. So that I understand. That was one thing. Um, Another thing is I didn't like how some of the plot twists were handled. And this may be due to some of the writing more than the directing. The first one, after Tyler realizes that they're being double-crossed by their employer, his handler handler tells him to abort the operation. Instead, Tyler pushes on, saying that it's his only chance at a payday. But from what I saw so far, Tyler doesn't care about money. And if anything, he just has a death wish and is just thinking about the next job in front of him. So it's it, to me, it seems as though he would have been more likely to cut and run than continue forward with the kid once uh, he was able to extract him. So hmm. that that was number two. Um, number three, I love David Har- Harbor. I love everything he's in. Uh, he is the uh, the sheriff in uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Here he plays a contact named Gasper, who is the same type of mercenary that Tyler was, but maybe a little bit more seasoned, maybe kind of semi-retired. But basically, Tyler, when uh, they're in this, when he's in this town, everyone's after him. He's hiding out with with the asset uh, named Ovi, and then he turns to Gasper for help. And then, what does Gasper do? He tells Tyler of his plan to hand the kid over to the drug lord, letting him know that there's no way you're going to be able to survive and make it out of this. I cut a deal. If you turn the kid in, then the rest of us can walk away. And of course, the, a fight scene ensues. For me, intricate plot twists and um, double crosses should never happen with one person telling another person everything that is just about to happen and why they did it or everything that just happened and why they did it. It needs to be seen. So the fact that one person was telling it to somebody else and it it ensued and then a fight ensued just made me feel very like, okay, that was very, very forced. So that was my other point. Lastly, plot twists need to be seen, not told. And so I felt that this was handled really clumsily. But at the same time, you know, it led to a cool action sequence. And then, you know, obviously the rest of the movie played out in, in, uh, in the way it did because of this. So uh, if I had to, to nitpick, there was that. A few more things here I have to go into. The logic of the final <laughs> action scene seemed off. Once the bridge was clear, I don't understand why Rake's team didn't storm the road to recover him. Instead, they were waiting for him to, plot spoiler, get shot, which he does. And he falls over the side of the bridge, right? So I think if uh, this is maybe more of an editing thing or just the way that that this that the whole scene played out it seemed just very clumsy. The end also didn't like it at all. It was very obvious that they tested the movie and that Netflix decided to pander to audiences in order to give them a little of what they wanted. Basically what I'm talking about is we think Tyler died and that he fell over the side of a of a bridge. And then the the end scene, which is like an add-on, felt like something out of Man on Fire. But in this case, Ovi is swimming. Uh, he finishes a lap. He comes out of the pool. And you see someone that looks like Chris Hemsworth in the background. And I'm sure they're setting up extraction, too. Like we mentioned, is already under development. And the script itself felt like it was very much a paint-by-numbers exercise, leaving the viewer to twiddle their thumbs between action sequences. Uh, I will say that Hemsworth's, Hemsworth's which how do you say that anyway? Hemsworth's performance as he reveals what happened to his own son was really good but the story itself felt like a rehash of a million other films where the main action star with a death wish reveals his internal motivations and of course starting the movie with a question mark to enhance the tension is something that we've seen before you know i mean in mission impossible 3 or any past episode of alias where you take a big action scene uh, from the third act where uh, we see our protagonist could be in jeopardy and you stick that in at the beginning to enhance tension and then it leaves us wondering okay uh you know what's going to happen to him so anyway that's what i didn't like i'm sorry if that was a lot but i had to get that all out there but let me ask you what you didn't like about the movie I mean, so I know I was to preface, I was, you know, comparing when it comes to Sam Hargreaves direction and, and Michael Bay as uh, Michael Bay's direction and just mm. how um, Sam uh, gives a bit more leverage on story. I will still say, though, that that there was some cookie cutterness to to the way how Sam Hargreaves uh, uh, did these did this film uh, for the especially the background for each character, like especially for Tyler. Um, I think the story and and spoiler alert but his story of losing his son and the effects it had on him yeah uh was 
surface leveled and I, I was hoping for a little bit more in that sense too yeah it's, it's been seen a million times you know yeah and i kind of hoped for more of a stronger relationship and bond between tyler and ovi like who's the kid that was kidnapped played by um i'm gonna butcher this kid's name raksh <laughs> jaiswai <laughs> and and uh also Dude, you're brave for even trying that man <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i tried yes <laughs> And going to what you said earlier as well, like some scenes, some scenes came off as a bit unrealistic in terms of Ovi and his lack of security guards watching him when his father is a powerful drug lord, like getting into a club that definitely would have an age requirement of 21 and over. And all of a sudden they just walk in like yeah. him and his friends walk They're in. They're like, what, 12 year olds? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like then again. And, and so overall, though, the film was very much predictable but you can't expect a strong story from like an action-packed film in my but you can but you can the right directors can can do it you know yes yes if they want to take on that challenge i believe so yes it is possible all right yeah all right um so it seems like we agree for the most part on on some of the thinner plot elements of the film right yeah i mean yeah this the script was in in essence a very thin script i would say Mm. it was just just a very thinned out script yeah so. It's like talk, 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 talk. Next big action sequence. Talk, talk, yeah. talk, talk. Next big action sequence. It's like two pages of dialogue and then fifteen pages of action. Yeah, action direction. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, well, what yeah. surprised you about this film? Was there anything that kind of stuck out to you? I mean, I thought I was going to go into this film with the intent of a Michael Bay story structure and nothing more but a lot of explosions, but it actually did a better job than expected of a Michael Bay film. Yeah, I, I think it had a bit more, a little bit more momentum. Now, how much more momentum? I honestly would say probably like 35% more. That's a very specific number. Is that specific? Is that okay? I'm just, yeah. (laughs) Let me ask you this. We were supposed to have reviewed Six Underground, but we never actually did it. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you seen both films, Six Underground? Obviously you've seen Extraction. Uh, Comparing the two, which was the better film? Extraction. Is it by far or just by narrow margin? Not by a narrow margin and and not by far, but enough. It was enough. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know, like... It's, it's, I don't know if I'm just kind of like maybe being critical and over Michael Bay films in a sense, but, you know, I think that it was just something, something different, something new that Sam brought to the table with his debut of this film. Yeah. And I can only hope that it, it, it grows and becomes more, um, more sculpted in his, in in his ways, directing and storytelling, uh, that much of then rather than how Michael Bay, like, you know, when he, when he does his next films, it, the, it, it's it, the story structure and the whole like explosiveness and knowing what to expect. It's kind of like there, you know what I mean? It doesn't grow any better, but it's not like terrible. You well, know? Sam Hargrave is lucky because it seems like he is, you know, obviously he, his first, his first movie he directed had Chris Hemsworth in it and he already has the action stuff down. And I think that the other stuff, the other scenes, the, the dramatic scenes, um, they weren't bad. Um, and, you know, I, I think he did just enough there to keep the movie together. So he's obviously a very talented director, one to watch, and I'm eagerly looking forward to what he does next as well. Um, in terms of what surprised me about the movie, um, I will say that despite its flaws, it is enjoyable, and it's purely on the likability of its main action star and the sheer ambition of its action sequences. It's an anomaly that a movie like this that's so flawed is so enjoyable, but I have to say I really, really did have a lot of fun in this movie, and because of that, I, I give it a positive rating. So with that being said, uh, our final reviews of the film, Will, why don't you go for it first? I, I give it a three. And why not anything more than that? It seems like you like this movie, uh, possibly more than I did. Uh, it, it was just uh, a three, like I think I, as you explained it, three is not terrible, but, <laughs> uh, but three also It's like is, mediocre. Is, it's 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 worth watching. It's worth yeah. taking a look at, and and that's how I see this film is that it, it's worth watching. Um, I think I believe that that Sam Hargraves has really amazing potential to become a direct a, a great director. Uh, one because he has um, choreo- He is a stuntman, so he has all those uh skill sets to know what it really means to create a great action sequence and two because of the way how he was able to direct the actors in 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 specific scenes that that deal with drama or something serious like i think that he first first off 
um, did a decent job that I can foresee it becoming even better. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. so this, this was there. Like th- This was like, okay, this is a good start, I think. This is a solid. Yeah, that scene where um, Tyler tells Ovi of what really happened to his son, um, it was cliche, but it was still acted and performed really, really well, and it was convincing. So uh, I don't know how much of that was Chris or how much of that was Sam. Maybe it was a combination of both, but I did really enjoy that scene. And that's kind of one of the scenes that I thought I thought brought the movie together, and that really stuck out beyond the action scenes. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I give it three stars as well. Um, three stars, like you said, it's not bad. It's like a like a forty five win NBA season. You know, <laughs> it, it, you, you're going to make the playoffs. You'll probably get a. I know. <laughs> You're probably gonna you're probably gonna get eliminated in the in the first round by the two seed, but you're in the playoffs. But you made so. it. But yeah, you made, you made it. it. Yeah. yeah, participation medal, baby. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's more than that. It, it was an enjoyable movie. So that is our review of Extraction, directed by Sam Hargrave. It can be seen on a television screen near you, streaming on Netflix. Now we wanted to move on and give you a little glimpse at the trailer for Tiger Tail. Here it is. You're my father. I don't even know how to talk to you. I never have. There are many things I never told you. That was a look at the trailer for Tiger Tail, written and directed by Alan Yang. Quick summary of that. It's a multi-generational drama where a Taiwanese factory worker leaves his homeland to seek opportunity in America. And once he arrives, he struggles to find connection while balancing family and newfound responsibilities. If you haven't seen this movie yet, we encourage you guys to check it out before next week. And now on to our main event here. Will and I will be reviewing our top five Netflix movies of all time. So... Wanted to ask you first, Will, what is your number five? As much as Netflix has released so many original films, I have to say I probably only have watched only a small handful, which leaves me with not many options. However, these mentions still hold credit, and I would actually like watch them again just just okay. about this because there's okay. so many. So my number five is Bird Box. <laughs> <laughs> directed by Suzanne Beer. Yeah, I haven't seen this one, to be honest with you. You didn't see this? I have not seen this, no. Are you kidding me? Nope. Wow. It didn't I'm... look interesting. It looked like a ripoff of The Quiet Place, and I just thought it can't be better than The Quiet Place. So You're not too far off. I will say, you're not too far off. Apart, though, from all the memes that came after this film, like this is not your typical horror sci-fi story. I give props to Suzanne Beer and her execution of the story and how it challenged the viewer having to cover one of the senses, especially sight, to give a cause of paranoia. I mean, for me, I thought like when you're not able to see in comparison that in comparison to where you have to be quiet, like like when you're saying a quiet place, it's 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 more fearful mm. in, my, yeah. in my in my opinion. I think so. Um, it gives a sense of paranoia. And I do enjoy thrillers that can affect the psychology of a person because it just gets you more involved with putting yourself in that position, which in turn, yeah, it just it just cons- it just enhances the fear. Mm-hmm. And this film deals with post-apocalyptic themes uh, because the reason why of the blindfold is due to a negative force invading the earth that when a person sees it, a person can't help but to commit suicide. I'm gonna go straight to Santa I don't Rosa. Want to you go can to... stay at my place until whatever the fuck this is isn't. I don't have any clothes. Yeah, well, you can wear something shape. of mine. Oh, I'm not much of a chaps and boots guy. Yeah, you really worried about what you're gonna wear right now? Oh, I, I find it comforting to focus on the wrong things. Shit. What? Shit. Well, there's a car. Stop the middle of the fucking stop, road. Stop, stop. Just go around Move, it. move, move. Let me go. If this thing gets any worse, you're gonna want to be off the roads and on a damn horse. Trust me. People have to stop being so stupid. Oh my god, just go, 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 go. I am not running a red light. There's nobody there. There's nobody there. Just drive the car. No, you gotta let me just drive, okay? You're freaking me out. Seriously, just let me do it. What creates further complication uh, to this film is our main character, Mallory, played by Sandra Bullock. She's pregnant, okay? Quiet place, sure. And (laughs) is unsure 
of how though she will be able to connect with her child because after this whole post-apocalyptic situation happened like she's just you know like she was trying to kind of traumatize like what you know being pregnant and not knowing how she's going to be able to like care for her child in in this sense in in this in this world and and so it's definitely a film worth visiting because uh, it definitely does hold a solid cl- uh, it does hold a solid cast and performance so it, it's a fun ride uh, it it deals a lot of, a lot with the psychological aspects of also you know her having these two kids who uh, aren't hers right so she has to take care of these two kids um, along the way too while being pregnant and also right. being blindfolded so, so let me cra- yeah so let me ask you this as someone that hasn't seen this movie, the mm-hmm. reason why they commit suicide is it revealed in the film. So just say yes or <laughs> just say yes or no. Don't tell me what it is. It is. Okay. All right. That's yes. it. Well, since a quiet place two isn't coming up for a while, maybe I'll go ahead and just check this one out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun ride. And, and, and just psychologically speaking, when you have to like have to blindfold yourself in that sense and use your other senses i don't know what it is sound to me is just so much more like ugh. if i can't see it and i have to listen for it that just freaks me out even yeah. more kind of thing so mm-hmm. anyways that's my number five what's your number five my number five film is beasts of no nation uh it was released in 2015 and it was directed by Kerry fukunaga he is probably the best director that you haven't heard of um he directed this film. He directed season one of True Detective. He uh, was basically responsible for most of the pre-production on it before uh, he handed the reins off to somebody else. He also finished directing uh, No Time to Die, the next James Bond movie, which should have been released, but is go- is delayed till November. So the this is an amazing film directed by a very talented filmmaker, and it features an electric performance by Idris Elba as the commandant of a child militia. Um, he did get a lot of awards buzz, but eventually was snubbed uh, at the Oscars. And uh, I'll give you one of my thoughts as to maybe why that happened a little bit later um, in my description, in my discussion of this film. Uh, the direction, like I said, is really amazing. And the entire film stays within the perspective of a small, innocent boy named Agu. We follow Agu as he is separated from his mother and he witnesses the murder of his father and older brother. From there, we watch as he's forced to join an army of children. Unfortunately, the movie didn't garner the awards buzz that many thought it would because, frankly, I don't think people really knew what to do with this movie. It is really hard to watch. Uh, it, to me, makes Schindler's List feel like eye candy. <laughs> Cause there are, are you kidding me? Really? Yeah, yeah. That is magic. Huh? I'm going to take that bridge. Oh, yeah, I'm going to take that bridge. Uh. Permission! Permission! That bridge, we are taking it. Yes, sir! Yes, sir! Better look me in the eyes, motherfucker. Who wants to fight? Aha! I'm only taking the brave. I'm not taking the scary. I'm not taking no girls. Are you ready to fight? Yes, sir. Are you ready to fight? Yes, sir. You want to take that bridge? Yes, sir. We're going to take that fucking bridge? Yes, sir. There are children and parents being murdered. There is sexual molestation. There's rape. There's corrupted children murdering villagers so that they themselves won't be killed. And we're seeing all this happen to children. Um, it's really hard to digest. And as I think about the film, even right now, I'm, I'm sickened, to be honest. But it's, it never glamorizes it. If anything, this is an important movie because it sheds light on what is happening um, or what has happened and maybe potentially happening now. Um, you know, unfortunately, I am not aware of, of the situation as maybe much as I should be. Uh, but kudos to Netflix for still uh, being bold enough to distribute this important film. It needs to be seen, even though it may be hard. And like I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the talented Fukunaga has coming out next. He's shown that he can direct anything, like a movie like this, to an action film, to um, a horror film, um, to even comedy. So um, really looking forward to that. That is my number five. So actually, I have not seen this film yet, yeah. which I know I should as well. So yeah. as It's a, it's a hard say. watch. Just be ready. Well, um, a couple of questions then. Um, where does it take place? It's a fix, it's a fictional um, African 
um, country. Yeah. Would you say it's kind of like comparable to uh, Lord of War or um, the other? Uh, my goodness, what's the other film? Uh, it's uh, com- it's comparable to uh, Blood Diamond, but Blood Diamond is a traditional Hollywood story with a traditional, you know, hero. Who's, who, of course, is a white male, right? Um, I'm so happy that they chose not to put any um, Caucasian heroes in this movie, and that just makes mm. it feel more real. So that's my number five. What is your number four film, Will? My number four film is Claws, directed by Sergio Pablos. This is an animated film. Okay. And have you not seen this film? Have you seen this film? I have not seen this film. Oh, my goodness. This film was a film that I did not expect to hold such a deeper emotional ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was beautifully done and took the story of Santa from a perspective de- deviating from the Christmas cliches. What, what, what are you... Welcome t- to your new workshop. Ta-da! What, what is... It'll all be explained you... in a minute. I don't Come want sit, to... Sit, 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 sit. You'll love this, I promise. <clears throat> Christmas! Christmas? What do you think about it? Every child in town gets up on Christmas morning and finds a brand new toy waiting for them by the fireplace. We can make the holiday even more magical. Think of the joy. Think of the happiness. Jesper, listen, I don't think. Let me finish. Let me finish. Think of all those happy little faces, huh? They're so cute. Aren't they? Look. Even if we. Where are you going to get that many toys? You. Make new ones. It's about uh, a character named Jesper, mm-hmm. who becomes who's a postman. He befriends a toy maker named Claus, and mm-hmm. their gifts melt an age-old feud and deliver a sleigh full of like holiday tradition. That's basically the synopsis of the film. Interesting. Okay. And so when he does get sent off to this outpost, uh, he uh, of this like basically this um, village that's like population five whatever right like that's where he discovers claws like that's where he sees and meets claws and claws um he actually has a background story that's really just depressing and deep and 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 this may be a spoiler alert but basically the reason why claws like he used to make toys for children but he stopped because he wanted a family himself and 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 but he loses that because his wife passes away and so he never got to be able to have a family of his own. And so he stops making toys and just basically kind of secludes himself. But within that, like uh, with Jesper's character, they meet. And then and from Jesper's whole like self-entitled uh, selfishness and whatnot, trying to just accomplish his training just to get out of there and, and, and meeting Claus, that uh, that whole relationship basically kind of unfolds into this like really interesting a uh, way for them both to to grow and 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 just have that okay. um, growth in the character arc. Yeah. So so this is in the North Pole, right? It's what the. Um, uh, it's it takes place, quote unquote, the North Pole. I forgot what the name of the place that they actually. Uh, so are, it, are. it's it's essentially a story where you know Klaus is Santa Claus, but he hasn't become Santa Claus yet. And Jesper and and Klaus kind of help each other f- discover themselves and become who they are. They both go through a change, and along the yeah. way, we see how a lot of the the ideas of Christmas come to be and the the Basically. mythology behind Santa Claus. Okay, cool. It's interesting. I can get with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, maybe I'll check it out this Christmas or something. This Christmas, yeah, yeah. 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 I was it's actually wondering if uh, Netflix ever takes down their own movies, but from what I could see, every Netflix produced movie is still up so hopefully that continues yeah. um i don't think my, they i don't think they would yeah ever. i see no reason why they would take it down so yeah 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 my, for sure what is your number four my number four film is okja uh from 2017 directed by Pongjino, who would go on to write and direct parasite this film is about a young girl that risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend which is a genetically engineered super pig named Okja. So basically a company called the Miranda Corporation has created 26 genetically engineered pigs that were sent to farmers around the world. 10 years after that, Miranda holds a competition where one of those pigs will be crowned the winner. Fearing what may happen to Okja, which is basically uh, Okja would become bacon, <laughs> the daughter of, a, of that same South Korean farmer I mentioned earlier decides to make a run for it with the pig. Why do you want to kill Okja? Oh, we can only sell the dead ones. 
I want to go home with Dokja. No, it's my property. You're a fucking psychopath. You should be ashamed of yourself. Fuck off! We're extremely proud of our achievements. We're very hardworking business people. We do deals, and these are the deals we do. This is a tenderloin for the sophisticated restaurants. The Mexicans love the feet, I know. Go figure. We all love the face and the anus as American as apple pie. Hot dogs. It's all edible. All edible except the squeal. But honestly, it's about a lot more than that. If you really think about it, this kind of movie is sort of about everything. Um, Maybe society as a whole, kind of where we are at uh, as a civilization. Um, Here are a few things which I think are covered. How large corporations prey on the poor. What Mm -hmm. overpopulation is doing to our country. How naive young people get caught up in a cause before really understanding what is really happening or what it's about. And I would say there are a lot of very unique performances here. Tilda Swin is always amazing in whatever quirky role she takes on. She's worked with Bong before in Snowpiercer. And she's great here. She plays one of the heads of the Miranda Corporation. And honestly, I have to ask the question, what in the world is Jake Gyllenhaal doing in this movie? <laughs> he plays an eccentric zoologist named Johnny Wilcox. And I, I can't even start to describe his performance, but it's so memorable and it's so genius. It really, it, it's great. You, you just have to see it. Uh, great supporting cast as well. Lily Collins, Steve Yoon, Paul Dano, uh, round out the ensemble cast. But the big star is CG-generated Okja, which looks more like a hippo than a pig. Okja is adorable. Let's just say I had a very hard time going to the meat aisle of the supermarket for at least a month or two. No joke. I would go to the meat aisle, look at all the, the pork products, and I would just feel really guilty, and I would just walk away. Oh, come on. Really? Come yeah. on now. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Okja was so damn cute. Like, I, I just couldn't do it. Anyway. Yeah. No, yeah when you, right. It's like when you see a face uh, of an animal when you're in the meat aisle, it's really hard to eat it. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, that was my number four film. What is your number three? My number three is Okja. So uh, I kind of went one up on you in that sense, put it in my mm-hmm. number three. And mm-hmm. I chose it as my third because it really made me begin to believe the force of Korean cinema going forward as a force to be reckoned with, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that, as we all know, with Bong Joon-ho and his latest Oscar-winning film, Parasite, he's just he's done a successful job to tell unique stories dealing with the social class system. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is one of that. Yeah. In this case, from like powerful and greedy corporates versus a country girl trying to save her best friend who was a genetically modified super pig, as you said. Uh-huh. Um, the ensemble cast was superb. And as you also mentioned, Till Swinton, always comes through to play such an amazing villain unique to that character. Like anytime I see certain villain, like um, any, any actor who would play a villain other than like, it it just, there's like some linearity or some pattern that you kind of see, but like the only two people I can ever think of that has a really awesome, diverse um, just performance is Gary Oldman and Tilda Swinton. Mm -hmm. Like they, they can play, villains and you're just like who is this person it's interesting like, you bring them up i feel like tilda swinton is the female version of gary oldman you know and that vice is versa. weird that you yeah. say that wow i didn't even think about that that's that's wild in the way <laughs> in the in the unique choices of characters that they play and how they play them and how yeah. they're always memorable it's very unique yeah it's oh good, yeah good comparison yeah. there. so good so yep. that was my number three you know so what is your number three my number three is a gem of a movie that I actually watched this week in preparation for um, this top five list, and it's called Private Life. It was released in 2018, and it was directed by Tamara Jenkins. This is her follow-up to the movie The Savages, which was nominated for two Oscars. So basically, she made that movie. She took 11 years off and then made this film, Private Life. It's oh about an author. Yeah, it's about an author played by Catherine Hahn, that's undergoing multiple fer- uh, fertility therapies to get pregnant, putting her relationship with her husband, played by Paul Giamatti, on edge. Having a baby is an immoral act. Overpopulation, climate change, rise of neo-fascism. Did you take your Valium? Yes. Why? They're trying a by any means necessary approach. I thought they were done with all that and they were trying to adopt. They're still doing that. They're like fertility junkies. 
understand. Your best chance for success is with the donor egg. He's out of his mind. There's a lot of positives. Oh, it's easy for you to say. You'll have your genetic contribution. And me, I'm just left out. This movie is both laugh out loud funny and at the same time heartbreaking. I felt less like I was watching a movie and more like I was just watching a real husband and wife play out their marriage and their struggles, um, you know, in a living room. You know, it felt like I was there with them. And uh, I felt like there was such a history behind uh, each of the characters and how they responded and interacted with each other. And I really think this, this movie is an acting tour de force. Uh, this is one film where I don't want to give anything away. So I know I gave away some plot spoilers and extraction and extraction, but I'm not going to do that here. I will say that uh, Han and Giamatti both have such a handle on their characters and on the relationship that nothing felt forced and everything felt so organic and natural. And, you know, they, they say a good scene is not just about what characters are saying out loud, but what they're thinking and feeling inside. And if they can convey that outwardly, then, you know, it's a well-acted, well-put-together scene. For example, someone can say, I love you, but then depending upon on the context, it can be obvious that they hate that other person. And I thought there's, there was just loads and loads of subtext in every single scene that they had together. Uh, the movie takes an un- unpredictable turn when Han and Giamatti ask their niece to be an egg donor. Uh, but the turns don't stop there. I don't think I'm really giving anything away because that's kind of one of the main points of the movie. Um, it, I'm really happy to see actors like this finally get the spotlight. Um, Catherine Hahn has been support, uh, basically supporting characters her entire life, but just now people are noticing her. She has her own HBO show, and you know, of course, Paul Giamatti is Mister Supporting Actor. You know, mm-hmm. he's that mm-hmm. other guy in every single damn scene. I don't know if you guys have seen My Best Friend's Wedding. But there's that scene towards the end where um, Julia Roberts is like distraught and sitting on the floor of a hotel hallway. And Paul Giamatti plays like the room service guy or the bellhop. I don't remember. But then they have this like crazy scene. And you're thinking, who the hell is this guy? I haven't seen him before. <laughs> and then now he's been all over you know, Hollywood for, for decades. So to see them have such uh, good performances where they both play the leads was really, really good. And this movie has a lot of heart and soul. And I was really riveted for the entire two hours. Highly recommend it. So that is my number three, Private Life by Tamara Jenkins. And what is your number two? Number two for me is Marriage Story, Hmm. directed by Noah Baumbach. Nora, I have to say that your account of this marriage takes place in an alternate reality. (laughs) By suddenly moving to L.A., and insisting on an L.A. residence, Nicole is withholding Henry. Counsel, please Alienating him from his father, which has turned Charlie's world upside down. It Counselor. amounts to an ambush. Withholding, Jay? Really? Alienating? All right. Well, those are fighting words, and it's simply false and does nothing to further this settlement. Yeah, we've talked uh, about this one quite a bit, huh? Yeah, recollecting on our previous review on this, I've stated like Baumbach just does a good job telling a story of core instabilities and estrangement when it comes to relationships similarly uh, to his other film, The Squid, Squid and the Whale. Mm-hmm. I I know we seek to escape the reality of our world when, we, when, when watching films, but this is far from escaping. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> and, reminding and, you of all your own problems, right? But, but. And, and somehow brings you into the reality of how truly difficult, yes, how truly difficult relationships can be. However, though, I, I firmly believe films such as these can also be a great reminder and life lesson how to deal with such cases if it were to happen to you or just to be able to reflect on certain things. Yeah. I don't know. I know I know. usually like realistic films such as these are more of a Debbie Downer than anything. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, it, it's just it can be a, a positive thing as well in that yeah. sense, you know, yeah, making this, you feel and reflect and look at the way how life really truly is and how you can prevent that from happening. Yeah. I this guess. movie was really heavy, but at no point did I think it was depressing. It was fairly light and, uh, you know, there's a lot of humor, I think in it, but at the same time, I, I do, I do too. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I mean, other than, you know, my girlfriend watching it because she lives that life with her <laughs> folks. So she just straight up was like, I don't like this film. And I'm like, I, I know. <laughs> I know because she's lived through that. And and 
to kind of hear her side of the story and knowing how it makes her feel like uh it, it makes me sad and makes me kind of like oh man maybe i shouldn't have like picked this film to watch with her the day mm-hmm. that uh, the time that we're about to review it but at the same time like for her it's like no it's, it has nothing to do with the acting or the story like all that she would say like was beautifully done and well done it was just the reminder that's my number two. What is your number two? My number two film is a movie called Mudbound uh, from 2017, directed by Dee Rees. Now, for those that haven't seen this film, it's about two men, one black, one white, and they're played by Garrett Hedlund and Jason Mitchell. Uh, they return home for World War II to work on a farm in rural Mississippi, where they struggle with racism and adjusting to life after war. Now, to kind of flesh this out a little bit further, uh, Garrett Hedlund's brother, uh, played by Jason Clark, owns a piece of land. And uh, Jason Mitchell's family, uh, they're, they are there to basically work that land. And so that's kind of their interrelationship that they have. It's all right. It's just a car. It must have backfired. Stuck in tape, Val. They say it stops eventually. Ronzel. Help, son. Jim McKellen, Henry's brother. Pleasure to meet you. You walk here? Yes. Let me give you a lift. The cinematography really sticks out. In fact, uh, Rachel Morrison's work for the, on this film garnered her the first nomination ever for a female in the category of Best Cinematography at the Academy Awards. So she's a big-time up-and-comer. She went on to DP Black Panther as well. Um, but I would say the most important piece to the success of this movie is the ensemble cast. Like I mentioned, Headland is great and Mitchell is good as well. He played Easy E in the film Street Out of Compton. Their unlikely multi-ethnic friendship is the, the is the backbone of the film. But ultimately, Mary J. Blige, yes, the singer, Mary J. Blige, is the heart of the film. And she was, in fact, nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. And of course, Jason Clark and Carrie Mulligan are good in everything they are in. Uh, I mean, Carrie Mulligan has been nominated for an Academy Award before. Um, this movie is about family, racism, and the things that make us human. And ultimately, it's about the things that drive us apart. This movie is amazing. And if there's one hope, Will, that I have for this top five, it's that, you know, right now we're all stuck on quarantine. And a lot of people are thinking, what should I watch? What should I watch? My hope is that by putting together lists like this, it would make someone say, oh, I haven't seen that yet. Let me check that out. You know, oh, so hopefully, completely. yeah, hopefully we're giving uh, a voice or at least an opportunity for people to watch these movies, which we love so much. So, yes. Yep. Uh, D. Rees has a new film coming and that's coming to Netflix as well. It's called The Last Thing He Wanted, starring uh, Ben Affleck and Anne Hathaway. It's due to hit Netflix later this year. So far, the reviews have not been kind, but I'm still going to watch anything that she directs. So hopefully it's not as bad as people are saying right now. What is your number one film, Will? All right. My number one film is The King, mm. directed by David Mashad. So this historical drama film is based actually on several plays from William Shakespeare, uh, Henriad. Uh, and this film is also written by Mashad and Joel Egerton, who's in the film. This film is awesome. Uh and and just does a great job with the cinematography, editing, direction, and acting performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, uh, Chalamet. Yeah. Man, I I am really impressed with this kid. And yeah, he's great. He's, he's going to be an awesome. I can just see like Oscars in the future for him. Yeah, he's and already been his, nominated twice. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, also, I know we've talked about. I've mentioned the, uh, the King in the past. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not no. talking about Rob Pattinson. Okay. I'm going to actually, before we get to him, yeah. have you seen this film yet? I, I haven't seen it. Um, so I had a list of movies I really wanted to watch before we recorded. Um, that was the last one on my list I wanted to attack, but I didn't get a chance. And I'll, okay. I'll, okay. I'll, tell, I'll tell you why. It's because I was like, uh, I was talking to my wife. I was like, hey, uh, we, can, can we watch this movie? And she's like, can I see the trailer? And then Rob Pattinson has some weird accent, and she started laughing at him in the movie, in the trailer. Because he plays, yeah. he plays a, a French, French, yeah. yeah. Uh, French prince, yeah. Yeah. So The French okay. prince of Bel-Air? No, no. Sorry, gotcha. <laughs> I knew you were going to go yeah. there. Um, but just to give you some, like, 
background of the plot then just so sure, you know sure. what you're like, looking for. So Henry, Prince of Wales, called Hal by his close friends, is the emotionally distant eldest and uh, son of King Henry IV of England. Mm-hmm. And Hal is uninterested in his father's war policies and in succeeding him and spends his day during drinking, whoring, and jesting with his companion, John uh, Falstaff in East Chep, who uh, his companion, John, is played by Joel Joe Edgerton. Edgerton, yeah. Um, his father summons Hal and informs him that Hal's younger brother, Thomas, will inherit the throne instead of Hal. Thomas is set up to subdue Hotspur's rebellion, but is upstaged by the arrival of Hal, who engages Hotspur in a single combat. Uh, the sword fight descends into an armored fist fight, and Hal kills Hotspur with a dagger, although this decides the battle without further conflict. Thomas complains that Hal has stolen all the glory. Shortly thereafter, Thomas is killed in battle after taking his uh, campaign to Wales. So, like, it, it, it's 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 so well done, and, and just, like, the drama and, like, going to Robert Pattinson, his... Uh, my doubts about him and, and everything that I've always given you a hard time about, I I was very impressed just him being the antagonist of of the French um, the French prince, um, uh, and and the con- and, and the and the uh, confrontation he had uh, during during that time of war that was happening that that his father left behind basically. Um, this is highly recommended to to watch for sure. Uh, I I've watched it a couple of times only because just. The performance of it all, and 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 uh, just Timothy Chalamet's uh, acting was just awesome. It was so cool to watch. Yeah. So Joe Joe Edgerton kind of is like the the mentor, right, uh, to his character. The, gives the wise like, and sage advice, basically. Well, I guess you can say the drunk wise sage advice because he gets he. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like his bodyguard slash mentor, but like does an okay yeah. like he, he does a great job at the same time you know he's just just doing the same thing that that <laughs> that hal's doing in, now, in a sense you know he now, just follows him around yeah now, correctly now correct me if i'm mistaken um from what i know about history henry v becomes one of the greatest kings that england has ever had but i believe he has an accident and becomes injured and kind of dies from basically eating too much did they get into any of that is, is that true I, you would have to watch the film and find okay. out for yourself. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So Got it. really enjoy the film and, and definitely, yeah, you should definitely watch it for sure. And, okay. and I will say Robert Pattinson did a, did a great job. And I think Hannah would be also surprised. Okay. All right. <laughs> Anyways, we'll give it a shot. Yes. Um, what is your number one? My number one film is marriage story from 2019 directed by Noah Baumbach. And honestly, mm-hmm. we have talked about this film. I would say ad nauseum because it was on both of our top 10 lists. And also, um, you know, we did a thorough review of that, about it. So what more can I say? It was such a great movie with great performances. And some of the more realistic fight scenes between a husband and wife I've ever seen. <laughs> some might say that the fight scenes in this movie are more brutal than in any extraction fight scene because of the personal nature of it, to be quite honest. I, I know one of them was for sure. Uh, the story and dialogue here had a lot more heart than Bombeck's other Netflix film, film the, the Meyerowitz stories. That was with Ben Stiller, Adam Sandler, and Dustin Hoffman. Um, in that movie, it just felt like it was trying so hard to be smart and something that New York artists would identify with. And I think, uh, you know, in a review of Marriage Story, Steve-O had a term for it. Like, I believe we called it Bombeckisms, where people mm-hmm. are trying to deliver his lines with a certain, with the right amount of, like, irony and kind of hipster cred uh, to make the line sound cool. Well, I personally didn't see any of that in Marriage Story. It was... Or slash t- textbook, I think he was saying. Yeah. You know, just what's on script is just yeah. the way you say it. Yeah, you just say it like, with no subtext. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here, I didn't see that um, because I thought Scarlett and um, Adam, they both had very, they both carried out two very fleshed out, real three-dimensional performances, and that's to their credit. Um, I laughed, I cried, and the end was honestly just so, so, so perfect. Um, so that is my number one film. Do you, well, do you think their performances, did it did it hit any any uh, heartstrings for you or, or on a personal level? Of course. Note, did... like, I... Don't think that anyone can just watch this movie and not identify with it because um, 
whether you've been in a fight or you've seen your parents fight and you've seen how personal that can be. I think that this movie uh, is a very real uh, depiction of that where there is no good guy or bad guy. There are just differences and frustrations that come across because two people are just different and they're just trying to struggle and, and get through life, you know, in the best way they can. And I think mm. we see that here. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So oh, man. That's, yeah. I do want to point something out here. Uh, on neither of our lists was the three and a half hour epic called The Irishman, directed by <laughs> Martin Scorsese. <laughs> now, uh, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, it's up to you. Watch at your own peril. I will say <laughs> that looking back on the movie, I think I was too harsh with it. But at the same time, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll be watching that one again. All right, that was our review of Extraction. We followed that up with a look at our top five favorite Netflix movies of all time. That's it for our episode. Tune in next week where we will be reviewing Tiger Tail and we will also be taking a look back at the 1980s film, The Breakfast Club. See you then. Take care, people. <laughs> <laughs>